Praise God, we're getting to continue talking about transformation, the lost message to the modern church. I believe every church has a good heart. Every pastor has a desire to bless his people in God. Every Christian desires to love God and serve God. But that's where it gets complicated in how do I, as a Christian, serve God? How do we as a church, how are we supposed to present God to the world? And I believe because of the old saying that says, the best way to destroy a man's vision, if a man has a vision, the best way to destroy it is not to stop him, but to give him two visions, to distract him. And I believe that that's what the enemy has done, is to distract the modern church with trying to go at winning the world in a different way. We look at the culture and we try to become like the culture, but really the church is supposed to change the culture, not become like the culture to invite people in, but to change the culture with the power of God. And that's how the church is supposed to be. But because of a lack of power, we end up trying to win the world with the best we can. Being like the world, trying to entice them into the church. And this is why the modern church is just redoing uh, what the generation before has done. We want to see the church have the reputation where in Acts it says they turn the world upside down, that, that they cause trouble in the world. The devil is afraid of that kind of church. And so transformation, I believe, is the key the ingredient that's been, been lost in our modern church world to what is transformation. Hence why we've done this series, and, and I pray it's been a blessing to you. Uh, we're going to do a little passing review, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how Peter and James also viewed the same message as Paul as he taught. And we'll look at a little bit from their standpoint. Uh, I'm going to start in Colossians here, chapter 3. Colossians 3 in verse 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is created in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So I want us to see here that the parts that he's talking about here is you have an old man that you're supposed to put off. So we know he's not talking about the old nature, because we are putting the old man off with its deeds. He's talking about the outward body and have put on the new man. Now we know where this is talking about the inner body, the inner man, the inner mind, will, and emotions that we are to put on that new man. And then it says these amazing things that which is the new man is renewed in knowledge. So the knowledge is to renew the new man, okay? According to the image of him. Wherever you see the word image, he's talking about the new nature. So you right now as a born-again believer, you receive the nature from God, and that nature brought to life your inner body. Now your inner body is as righteous and as holy as your new nature, which is as righteous and holy as Jesus Christ. In fact, inside of that new nature, like a seed, is an image of Jesus in all of his love and holiness. Now, I believe that a Christian, the goal of God is as a Christian, you become like Jesus. Now, don't get freaked out when people say, well, what do you mean being like Jesus? How is that possible? Adam was created in the image of God. God's design is for us to be like Jesus, to be like God, not in divinity, not in anything spooky like that, but in his holiness, in his righteousness, in his authority, in his love. And you right now as a born-again believer have a new nature in you. When you accepted Jesus, that's the first thing that was quickened, that changed. You went from death to life, from darkness to light, from unrighteousness or sin to righteousness. That's your new nature. That's what makes you righteous, is that you have a new nature in you. And inside of that new nature is an image of Jesus Christ in his love and in his holiness. And that is why God expects from us, listen, to the modern church, I would say, God expects you to grow up. 
to be like Jesus, not just talk about Jesus, not just introduce people to Jesus, but to actually be like Jesus. That's where the word Christians come from, that they saw them in, in Antioch and said, you are Christians. They gave them the nickname. The church didn't give themselves the nickname. The world called them Christians, saying, you look like Jesus. You remind me of Jesus. We've gotten so lazy in our modern church of, I go to church now. I'm, I'm a Christian. There's been many people I run into where you, know, you have to be a detective to discover if they're a Christian or not. They may, you, know, you may be suspicious. I'm suspicious. That person's a Christian. Ah, but I, you know, I know some people who aren't saved who are nicer than some Christians, so I can't guarantee it. But I'm suspicious. You have to you know, be a detective to ask questions and find out, oh, yeah, they go to church. They've accepted Jesus. The world should see the church as different than himself, not just good people that now are born again. There's so many slogans now of, we're, we're just sinners saved by grace. We're, we're just like you, but we know Jesus. And in an attempt to invite the world, I get it, but really the message should be, no, I used to be like you, but I've changed. I found a way to become a different person, a different creature. I found a pathway into God, and He did not reject me because of my mess. And He won't reject you either. But we're not supposed to, you know, oh, I go into church. Praise God. I don't have to change. I, you know, the people in the church are just like me. Why go to church? <laughs> Why go to church? Church is supposed to turn your life upside down. The modern church has failed, and it's not just this last generation. It's been generations before. We're lacking in the power of God, and the enemy has piled on a tons and tons of religious thinking that makes you think you're, you're right with God, but you become powerless. And that's where I think the modern church is stuck. And so, understanding these verses, Do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him which who created him. So the renewing of knowledge is what we kind of we want to focus on a bit today. Renew means to rebuild, to renovate. You go into an old house and you change the color, you fix it up. My wife, you know, I'm not picky. I'm I'm a guy. I'm happy with a a bed sheet over the window. I don't need fancy curtains, but I'm married, so I have to have fancy curtains. I'm okay with what I got, but my wife likes to redo things. And I'm old enough, I quit arguing. She wore me down. If we can afford it, she wants it, we, we get it done. And, and she'll work hard. She's redecorated our kitchen. I mean, our whole house is redecorated by her, her touch. And like I said, it wouldn't be pretty if you lived in my house if I were single. And praise God for good women, <laughs> that's for sure. And so the word renew here means to renovate. And I was wondering for years, like, why am I, why couldn't God reshape my thinking before I was saved? Why did it have to happen after I was saved? Because I still have the same natural brain. And, you know, the world knows how to help retrain your thinking, retrain your habits. There's many good motivational things out there to encourage you. But you don't have to be saved for that to happen. This is talking about something much more different, much more powerful, the renewing of knowledge in the inner man, in the new man. Your inner man used to be dark. So you had a, you've always had a spiritual brain connected to the spiritual world. Even before you were saved, every baby is born with an inner man and an outward man. And they're connected to both realms at the same time. But when you receive that new nature, that new nature brought to life and quickened also your inner man, your inner body, your inner mind, your inner emotions. They are now spiritually alive and righteous, as righteous as Jesus himself. I'll show you another verse that we use in Past and Review. It's in Ephesians. And just quickly, I'll just read it to you. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 22 through 24. If you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, 
which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. This is the outward man. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So there's the renewing again in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. This is your inner body. You put it on. In other words, when it says to put on the new man, it means that you take the knowledge that's built up in the inner man that's renewed, and you put that on over the knowledge of the outward man. I'll I'll share more about that in a minute. Verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the point here is that your inner body used to be dark, just like your nature used to be dark. And the new, bo- the inner body was brought to life in righteousness the same way the new nature was. And that is why you now have an inner man that contains a spiritual brain, a spiritual set of emotions, and a spiritual desires. And that inner man is where the desire and hunger for God comes from. That's where believing comes from. That's where true transformation comes from. But the imagery we see here, if I go back to Colossians chapter 3, is that, uh, verse 10, and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the new man, the inner man, once it's born again, is lit up by the new nature. So now it is as light and righteous and holy as God and Jesus is, not in divinity, but in holiness and in righteousness. Because that's the nature, that's where you got your nature from, from Jesus. And so I take on, now I have a new nature, and my inner man is now alive, but it is now, I'll use the word rebooted. All the the knowledge it used to have from darkness in that spiritual brain of yours disappeared. It was wiped out by light as much as, If I walk into a dark room, I can't see anything. But if I turn on the light, the lightness washes away the darkness. It disappears. You can't see the darkness anymore. Well, that's the inner man. The inner man now is is lit up by righteousness and alive and holy and is no longer dead. And now it is empty, though, like a newborn baby. It must be renewed. That's why it uses the word renewed, because it used to hold knowledge, but that knowledge came from the darkness, because your nature was dark. But when you receive the new nature, now your spiritual mind can hold, because it is righteous and holy. It can now hold a truth that comes from God. The same way your spiritual man can also now hold love that comes from God. In fact, the very image of Jesus is already in you, but it must be brought forward by a combination of you bringing it from God and bringing it forward like a fruit that comes forward inside of you. You can become like Jesus. There, I said it. I hope you're not afraid of that. You can become like Jesus. I say that funny because some people, they argue like, oh, no, 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 we're all sinners We're all saved by grace. I can't be like Jesus. Why would I be like Jesus? I'm just a mess and God loves me the way you are. Yes, yes, he loves you the way you are. No, you're no longer a sinner. You were a sinner saved by grace. God expects you, church, to grow up in holiness, in righteousness, and in the wisdom of God. I can see why this message isn't obviously accepted all over chased after because it costs you to put on the new man when i put on the new man what i do is i renew the the knowledge of truth into my inner man because now my inner man the mind of my inner man is lit up and it's connected to my outward mind my natural mind but the natural man was left dark so there's an argument over everything so when i pray in tongues and renew the knowledge of God into my inner man. Listen, listen, it builds up and builds up to eventually I have enough truth in there to confront an almost truth or a lie about myself that my outward man holds on to. Let's take, for instance, maybe someone's been hurt or abused or broken in their youth, and they carry that on into their adulthood. 
And it's not a, a choice. It's a subconscious, the natural soul, the natural emotions hold on to that brokenness and protect you. And so that person may try to be wounded and they go into every situation. I know one person who I've ministered to who was abused as a, t- a child and, and she brought into her adulthood a fear that people would lie to her and trick her. In other words, they would get her to love them and then expose that they're really deceptive. They're really not who they say they are. And this person would always go so far in friends, in family, and then pull back because, oh, wait a minute, you're deceiving me. She would be just about to embrace you as a friend, embrace you as family, the family of God. And then this fear would jump up and say, stop, we don't trust you because you're probably going to deceive us like what happened to me when I was a child. And it wasn't a, like a thought process, like she's choosing. It was an emotion of, with power that would make her pull back. And this was a pattern in her life because of the brokenness that happened in her past. Now, I could probably tell her, you just need to trust. You need to, But how do you fight with that strong emotion? And we all have our junk that we come from the past that we deal with. So, you know, we don't judge her. But we all have stuff, and it's different stuff. That's the natural man. That's the out, old man that we're supposed to put off with its deeds. See, if I could, which I did, talk that girl into renewing the knowledge of God in her inner man. Because that's where the knowledge of God goes in the inner man. Through praying in tongues, through meditating the word, through all that we teach. The inner man's knowledge begins to be renewed, built up from light. And let's talk about the area where this girl was broken. She was abused, sexually abused as a child by someone who who should have protected her. And it burnt in her outward soul, her outward mind, will, and emotions. It burnt in it a fear of being tricked again. To to put all your care and love into a person who's supposed to protect you, uh, watch out for you, to guide you, provide for you, and to find out that really they have no love for you. They're just using you. Well, that fear would rise up from her outward man. Now, to her, it felt like it was her, but really it was her outward old man, the outward body, the outward soul. She is born again. She has a new nature, but there's an image of holiness and fullness that must come forward. If all she does is get saved, she's still going to heaven, praise God, and she'll do her best to serve God with what she's got. But if she doesn't renew the knowledge in the inner man, then she's got really nothing to fight. This is the type of person who would go into a thousand prayer lines and say, please pray for me. I like prayer lines. I think it's important to get as much help as you need. But if she doesn't renew the knowledge in her inner man, she'll always stay in that cycle of fighting that fear. And always it'll always be there. And she'll want deliverance. She'll want help. She'll recognize it, but it's still there. And she may have victory for a while, but eventually she'll get tired or, or it'll wear her down. That's what happens to you. It happens to me in our areas. So if I take the time and rebuild the knowledge in my inner man, through prayer, through the word, praying in tongues. What's happening is I'm taking knowledge from God, truth from God. I'll read here in Colossians chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 3. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, in attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, God's always had all the wisdom and knowledge. What's changed now that you're born again is that you can actually contain the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's right. You can be as smart as God in some areas. And for the rest of eternity, well, we're with God for eternity. A gazillion years from now, you will be learning something new about God. Well, I'm somewhat educated. I'm somewhat smart in a sense, but I'm also, you know, not educated in some things. I cannot, I have a friend, John, who can fix anything. Car, 
a jet airplane, doesn't matter what it is, a computer, he can fix it. Me, not so good at fixing things. I need a friend like John to help rescue me. I can't fix things. I haven't put any much effort into it. I wasn't taught much about vehicles. Growing up, I can change oil, I can change a tire, but if there's a noise in the engine, I call a mechanic or someone who can fix it. If there's a problem with my computer, I can turn it off and turn it on. I can unplug it and plug it in. I could kick it, throw it on the floor, and then I call someone who knows how to fix it. I lack in that kind of knowledge. Well, you're going to learn something about God for the rest of eternity. I, right now in the natural, have a limit of what I can understand because I am not capable. But in the spiritual, it says that my new man was created by God in righteousness and holiness. What that means is for you and for me and for every believer, we have the same smartness, the same ability to understand God. You know, I wasn't born with some natural abilities, like I'm not six foot seven, so I can't play a great basketball game. I can play great at hockey, great at rugby, but basketball wasn't my sport because I wasn't really tall enough. I mean, I probably could do okay, but there's guys who are born six foot seven, seven foot tall, who are just naturally have it easier at basketball. While the same way there's people with intellect naturally that are more capable than other people because they were born with them. Well, your new nature brought to life your new man, the inner body. And that means that you were born with the same ability to know God as Jesus. Your new man, not your old man. The outward man can still be dumb as a rock, but your inner man is not. It has got the ability to know the very knowledge of God. And in a billion years, when I learn another new thing about God, I won't forget it. I won't forget it or dismiss it because I have the ability on the inside, in my inner man, to know the knowledge of God. Think about it. One little knowledge nugget from God's mind will blow up the brain of a normal person. It just can't hold it. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. It could bow its knee but it cannot understand the things of God. And so this is how we put on the new man. As I renew the knowledge, I take the knowledge from God. This is why we pray in tongues and meditate the word of God. And God teaches me something. When I pray in tongues, that's what's happening. Is He's teaching my spirit man truths that my outward man cannot ever understand. When I pray in tongues, that knowledge is being re-put into my new man. And then once that knowledge builds up, it's with that knowledge that's inside of me that I look over at the outward man. And it almost picks a fight. It says, you know, that like the girl who's broken, uh, she'll pray in tongues and worship God and meditate the word and be the same, have the same struggle for year after year. But one day what happened was all of a sudden there was enough truth inside of her inner man to confront the outward man. And there was a tap on the outward thought that you should be afraid and not trust people. And because of the truth that came up on the inside, she was able to say, you know what? That's a lie that I can't trust people. I don't accept that anymore. This is how smart the Holy Spirit is. He's able to build you up in an area and then go to the stronghold in your outward man and say, there's a lie in there that's telling you this. And from that truth, you confront the lie. And you choose to believe the truth over the lie. Because there's enough truth in you. That's a mortification. That's when that desire, that fear is killed. And mortified, the word says, to mortify it, to kill it. You now live from the truth of the inner man, the new man, instead of the lie, almost truth of the outer man. And this is where much of the church, modern church, has failed or struggles because there's a much good, there's enough good truth in it to say this is God. But when you pray in tongues, all of a sudden you find out, wait a minute, I thought that was God. That wasn't God. That was a a camouflage of real truth. That's putting on the new man. I now 
put on the new man and put off the old man. But I must first build up the new man with the knowledge of God. And it's from that knowledge that I'm able to mortify the outward man, to put to death the thoughts of the outward man. It's from that truth, from that knowledge. I'm trying to go over to James here, but I'm going to stay here for a few more minutes here. Let's keep reading here. Uh, I'm in Colossians chapter 3. And we'll read this here, the chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. So when he says to seek the things above, I want you to understand he's not talking about anything you can find in the natural world. So he's not saying that love is better than hate, because that's how the church usually interprets these verses, that I I think of love and I dismiss hate. But that even that love was with you before you were saved. So it's not from above, it's from this earth. I have two dogs. If you, if you have animals, you understand. They have personalities in there. They have little little souls, little mind, will, and emotions inside of little little dogs. We have little dogs. We have some friends that have great big dogs. And little dogs are easier to care for. Maybe not as cool. But what you do with a little dog is you get a cool name. So a little dog, you can call it Diesel or something big. Um, you know, to make it seem big. And so you don't have to get a big dog, just get a little dog, give it a big name. Now, again, I'm married, so my dog has got sissy names, kind of, and not the cool names. I want to name them Diesel, Bully, you know, big bad dog names. But our little three-pound dogs, they got okay names. Uh, We have Brewster, that's kind of a cool name. So we got two little dogs, they have different personalities. One is will fight you, not me, because I'm the alpha in the family, but he'll fight anyone who comes in the house and bark and, and, and even bite if he's afraid or, or thinks you're going to hurt one of the children. And he'll throw his whole body into a situation. And the other one's a little more cautious. So Yoshi, which my son named, he's the little black dog that's a feisty. And he's sneaky. If the kids are eating a pizza and the kid puts a pizza on the table... On the plate, Yoshi will sneak up and grab that pizza and try to eat the whole thing. While you're grabbing him by the neck, trying to get the pizza out of his mouth, he's trying to get as much in as he can. And he's willing to take the trouble it takes. Like He's willing to eat the pizza while you're grabbing him by the neck and yelling at him. He'll be eating as fast as he can. Where Brewster, he's a little more cautious. So he will, if he has opportunity, there's a dog. You know, I haven't been able to out-train them yet in that area. That little guy will take a piece of pizza from the kids if they're not careful. And you'll hear the, everyone yell, hey! And out he'll run. He'll run outside and go hide for about 30 minutes. He'll go take his pizza outside and find a place where you can't find him. And he'll eat that pizza carefully for 30 minutes. Just take his time and eat it. And then he'll wait. He'll wait another 30 minutes for you to cool down. He won't, he won't come out and just sit out there. And he'll wait till everyone forgets what he did. And then he'll kind of come in and look around and be careful, like, okay. Because we have a, do- a door where the dog, a little do- door where the dogs can go in and out. And he'll wait till everyone's calm. And then he'll come back in and act like he's innocent. Where the, Yoshi, the black one, he doesn't mind. He'll, see, he'll, he'll take whatever trouble he gets and he'll eat right in front of you while you're trying to take it out of his mouth. They're two different personalities. If you have horses, people have horses, their horses have different personalities. One will be mean, one will be nice. They have a natural emotions, natural ability, the natural man. From an animal, from a dog, a cat, maybe a cat, from an animal, horse, from, from whatever animal you love. My daughter has a turtle. From whatever animal you, you have, you will find emotions of love enjoy if you we got our two dogs if you ever seen them operate it's amazing if one dog is sitting on christy's lap and the other dog wants that spot he will actually go 
and bark out at the front door. And while the, the dog on the lap runs to the front door to see what all the commotion is, the other dog is running back to go get that spot. They're sneaky. Animals can be sneaky. People can be sneaky. I've seen my dogs operate in ways that people operate with their emotions. Being sneaky, being conniving. Our, our little Brewster, when he was a puppy, we had a, a gate set up for the kids, like a little mesh gate to keep keep the kids out of uh, the cupboard. And and one time, little Yoshi or little Brewster walked by the gate and bumped it and it fell over and and didn't hit him, but almost did. It wouldn't have hurt him, it just scared him. Well, all these years later, that little little Brewster now is a big Brewster. He's you know a few pounds. He's heavier. All these years later, Brewster's still afraid of the gate. All I have to do if I don't want him to go somewhere is put the gate there. The gate cannot hurt him. But because of what happened to him, that little animal has a memory and remembers and is afraid of the gate. The other dog doesn't even mind. He didn't have that experience. I'm, I'm trying to lay a picture of your outward man, the natural man that did not get saved and was not created in righteousness and holiness. This outward man is the part of you that is going to be replaced or quickened when the trumpet sounds, and you will receive a new outward body, a new outward brain, a new outward emotions. But until then, you must mortify it. And what the modern church has done is taught Christians how to serve God through their outward man, to, to clean them up. So they replace love. When we read this verse, that set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. That is interpreted by many in the modern churches that I am to love like God. Well, they never went and grew the love of God. They never went and received the love of God. They just have the image of love. So their love, I, I will love you. That is me accepting something from above. My argument to you is that is not what it's talking about. It's not telling you to come to church and now just love people. Because you'll try, and that's good. We want to. That's faith, and I want to start with that. Faith starts with a choice to accept the standards of God and not the standards of man. So I'll start with that, but I don't stay there. I don't live there. I have to renew the knowledge, renew the love of God on the inside of me, build that up. So then, my through the love of God on the inside, on the, in, on the inner man, the new man, I can put off the old man. So let's just read this here. Set your mind on things above. He's talking about things that God has. Uh, not on things of the earth. Let me just say again. There's a love that comes from God that is not the same as the love you can find on the earth. I've heard people say, well, the love of God is like the love of a mama. And if you have a love of a mama who loves you unconditionally, like I'm blessed to have. Yeah, that's, I, you know, the love of God, love of mama is pretty close. But it's, in reality, the love of a mama isn't, even a, a drop in the ocean compared to the love of God. It is a drop where it's, it's the closest we can get from this earth, but it's not the same. My mama will, will run into a, a flaming house and give her life to save her kids. But she wouldn't do it for your kids. She'd do it for her kids. See, God's love is for everyone. Set your mind on things above. So we are to look to God to be the source once you're born again the source of all, all things, the source of your wisdom, the source of your love, the source of your peace, not just the source, the creator. So now that I'm born again and my inner man is created in righteousness and holiness and now it can't contain, I have the image of Christ in me and my new nature. I am to go to God and take his love and grow that love through my inner man. Now I'm presenting to the world, not the love of Alan in the name of Jesus, but the love of Christ himself through the inner man that I have. Adam was created in the image of God. Don't get nervous when I start talking to you about acting like Jesus. Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also, and greater than these. Where is that in the church nowadays? Jesus raised the dead, cast out devils. Jesus loved people. Jesus laid his life down for people, for you. 
Where is that message in the modern church? Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death the members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked in when you lived in them. But now you yourself are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man. Where does the desire to lie come from? The old man, the outward body. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So, so far we're seeing that you're born again. Now start to look to God to be your source of knowledge, love, joy, peace, and to no longer accept what is from this earth. And then he says the source of, say, lying and anger and jealousy, that is in your outward body, the old man. Quit saying, I am a a liar. You could say, I fight with lying because I have a desire to lie, to exaggerate. You can say, I fight with lying. I struggle with lying, but quit saying you are a liar because you are not. You are righteous, and when that outward body falls off of you, you'll be standing before God, and you'll be righteous and holy. You may be immature, but you'll be as righteous and holy as Jesus. The source of lying, exaggeration, I talk about, well, since we used that one girl who, who had trust issues, if her body fell off of her, She'd be in heaven. She'd have no trust issues. In one moment, all her trust issues are gone because the outward man is laying on the earth. She'll be standing there and she'll have full heart, full love, full acceptance of heaven and God in all of his glory without a trust issue. Because make no mistake about it, this girl had problems not just trusting men or people, but trusting God himself because of the brokenness that would happen to her past if she got resuscitated and came back into her body, she would have trust issues again because the source of those trust issues are in her natural body, her natural part of her soul. But the inner body is created in righteousness and holiness. You can think like Jesus, love like Jesus, have hope of Jesus, peace of Jesus, operate in your life, but it doesn't come instantaneous. It's not downloaded instantly. You know, many of us preachers, we've had people come and say, my favorite was one man brought his wife up to the prayer line and said, can you cast the devil at her? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, conveniently, she's got the devil, you know. And, and, but all of us preachers have to have the model say, listen, I can cast out devils, but I can't cast out flesh. A devil's one thing, but a flesh is something different. A flesh according to the word, must be mortified. You can't just believe away the flesh. Many believers today, there's a whole doctrine that isn't quite wrong, but it's not complete, that says, I just need to identify with who God made me. And that's using some of this terminology of the inner man and outward man. I'm a child of God, and so I'm choosing to accept that's who I am, and that's awesome. Keep that up. I'm choosing to identify that that's who I am. Awesome. Keep that up. But if that's all you do, and you don't focus on maturing and renewing the knowledge in that inner man, that inner man, although it's righteous as Jesus and holy as Jesus and created that way, will remain like an infant and remain without the power to transform you. And so when people just say, I identify with my inner man, what they're trying to say is I don't want to go through the fight and the battle of renewing the inner man and mortifying the outward man. I just want to accept that that's who I am. Well, when you're in heaven, yes, you could say that, but you're not there yet, and praise God, because you've got a world to turn upside down. 
so when someone says, I just identify, that's who I am, God made me that way. Yes, he made your inner man righteous and holy, your new nature righteous and holy, and therefore you are righteous. But we've also learned through this series that you have to, you're held accountable for what you allow your body to do, what you submit to your body to do. You're supposed to take this outward vessel and you're to manage it and make it bow its knee to God. You have a job to do. You can't just say, if you just say to your outer man, you're not there, uh, I don't accept that's who I am. Your outer man will say, amen, I'm not here, and will lead you your whole life. <laughs> your outer man will go to church and lift, hand, lift its hands with you happily, as long as you don't try to mortify it. We've had many people come to our church. Pastor Dave would be preaching. It would be a couple, a uh, husband and wife, and one's passionate for God, and the other one's okay. Okay, we're going to church, but you know all this spending hours praying in tongues and laying your life down and going on all these these adventures with God don't line up with the other one of the couple's plans. I want this in my life. I should have this, and and my spouse wants to give away money. My spouse wants to go pray rather than go on vacation all the time. And you know it's it's okay to do those things, but. There's usually in a marriage, one person is a little more hungry than the other one. And you see them come to church, and Pastor Dave would say, Oh, so you're saying you don't have time to pray in tongues. You don't have time to go worship God, because you got to work all those extra hours. Pastor Dave would say, I understand, but you know what? You do have time. If you really wanted it, you could make time. You could, You can sell that big house and go from five rooms down to three rooms, and and you could live a little cheaper. You could actually sell that fancy car and get an old car. You could get rid of five TVs. Who needs five TVs? Just have one TV. And he would start to, to say, quit making excuses, what he's saying. And the hungry one of the couple, it could be the man or the woman, one of them would be hungry and be, be shouting, Amen, Pastor, Amen. I can sell my house. I can, I can work less because I can live on less. And have more time to pray. Yes, I like it. And right, the other one of the spouse who wasn't willing to give up those things. That was their goal in life. Their goal was serving God, was to be prosperous, was to have those things. That's the reason we go to church. With an amen. And you'd hear the other one say, you know, uh, I don't like this church too much. It's, it's not friendly. It's not nice. I don't like it. Because God would be speaking to the inner man. And if they went to another church, that pastor would be speaking to the outward man. Hey, don't you want to be blessed? God will help you make your dreams come true. God will help make you happy. God will help, help you to be successful. And they're speaking to the desires of the outward man. Don't you want to have abundance? Don't you want to be happy? And come to church and we'll help you to have those things. And yes, God wants you to have those things. But there's a message in the gospel that's hard. It says he wants you to lay your life down. It says here your life's no longer your own. You died. You don't have a life to live. You don't have a right to live your life. God owns your life because he paid a price for your life. There's so much more in the gospel to what's being presented to the world. You know, the world, there's a, there's a part of the world that's okay, that okay with going to church. And we see that. We see uh, some of the singers who are known for fornication and alcohol and and doing all kinds of things, or having church services. You know, all right, praise God, some of them will be saved, and but they're wanting a gospel that doesn't tell them your life no longer is your own. You don't have a right to decide what's best for you. You have to go to God. God is a jealous God. He wants to be able to tell you what to do with your life, where you go to school, how you live, where you live, what you do. And that conflicts with Many Christians' idea of, hey, I just want to go to church. There's a message of the gospel to where God says, I want your life to be mine, to turn the world upside down. And because of that, you'll have an enemy that comes and fights you every step of the way. Verse 9, chapter 3. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, 
Scythian slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. He's basically saying, you got the same inner man that I got. In our first birth, depending on what color you are, depending on what family you are born in, what country you're born in, depending on how your body is, if you're six foot seven or if you're four foot nine, depending on if you're male or female, if you have intellect or less intellect, if you have a good, uh, strong bones or weak bones or born with a strong heart or a weak heart. In our first birth, it is very unfair. Everything about it is unfair. It's not equal. But in our rebirth, in our new birth, our inner man, the new man was brought to life and created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Your inner man, when I say inner man, I'm talking about your inner body, your inner mind, your inner emotions, your inner desires. Are No Christian has more access to God than you do. No Christian has more spiritual intellect capability than you do. We are all born again, not separated by culture or color or male or female. We're not separated by which family. Nothing separates it. We all equally got the same quality of inner man, which means we and you can know God at the level of God's knowledge. You can know the knowledge of God, the love of God. There's nothing holding you back if you want it. Verse 12, Therefore, because of all these things, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, See, we're supposed to put these on. These are what we put on. I go to God and get His love, get His tender mercies, get His kindness. I build it up in my inner man by worshiping God. Those emotions, spiritual emotions, begin to rise up to the point that I take the love that I I do my best to love, but then I, I can live out of the inner man. I put them on. I now can live out of the love of God that's developed in me. It doesn't come automatic. You can't get this from a prayer line or anointing or an offering. You have to go spend time with God. You have to go spend time with God. This is why if you pray in tongues, it will transform you. If you worship God, things, amazing things, and don't get frustrated because it takes time. You're just that messed up. That's why if you say, God, why is it taking me so long? Well, you're just that messed up. But it doesn't matter because your inner man is not. So go pray, go worship. Go spend time with God and watch what happens. That inner man will grow in the knowledge of God and in the love of God and in the kindness, humility, meekness of God. And as it comes up, the meekness of God inside of your inner man will go to the the meekness of the outward man and knock on the door and say, you know what? You're not good enough. You're from this earth. I'm from heaven. I'm taking over. And then you choose to believe that. I had... One lady, sweetest lady in the world, meekest, humblest, sweetest, sweetest lady would help and, and give her a last penny, would help in every way. You would think she's a, almost a Mother Teresa. Nicest, nicest, nicest lady. And, and she would help us all the time with things we did for helping people, feeding people. And one day I asked her to be over a group of people in a uh, banquet, a woman's banquet which meant you had a timeline, you had a deadline, you had to have certain things done the right way. And that meek, sweet, little, wonderful woman turned into the meek, the meanness. I think she was cussing at people. She was just, she couldn't handle the pressure. The pressure squeezed out all of her meekness and exposed her for, for really just not being as meek as we thought she was. She was meek in the earthly meekness, but it had a, a dead end. It stopped at the pressure pushed her over the edge. But there's a meekness that's available to you from God. And if that lady continued to pray in tongues, continued to worship, the meekness of God would rise up on her inner man and her new man. That's the emotions of the inner man. would rise up and then one day would tap on the door of the meekness that she was walking in, which was earthly, which had a limit. And that meekness of God inside of her inner man would overtake the meekness of her outward man, and she would live out of that meekness of the inner man. The new man being put on is this, renewing it, building it up in the love of God, the meekness of God, the kindness of God, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God. And then as it grows, eventually it will pick a fight, or the Holy Ghost will pick a fight for you, 
And that's when you mortify the outward man. That's what mortification is. I no longer live out of you. I live out of, out of my inner man in this area, in this knowledge, in this love. But you have to build it up first. So when someone just says, I just identify that I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm new in God. I know what they're saying. I agree. Don't stop that. I agree 100%. That is who you are. But don't neglect this. Putting on the new man, renewing the new man, putting off the old man. Because if you tell your outward man, I don't accept you anymore. I don't believe in you anymore. I am a new man. I'm a new creature. Let's go to church. Your outward man say, okay, great, let's go. And it will pretend it's not there, but it will be rule your life. It will run your whole life. You can't just ignore the outward man. You can't believe the outward man away. You can't believe the inner man to be renewed. You must take the time and the effort to grow up in God, in the knowledge of God. Renew the inner man in the knowledge of God. And then you mortify the outward man. So identifying is good in the aspect it is who you are. The real you, the born again you, will spend eternity with God is amazing. God thinks you are righteous and loves you even while you're battling this voice of the outward man. But you cannot believe the outward man away. You must mortify him. I'll read just a few more verses and I'll finish here. Verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, so that you also were called in one body, and be thankful. I'm going to stop there. I know I said I'd go to James. I'll do that the next session. I got led this way. You are a new creature. And you have the ability, no matter what your past is, no matter what your struggle is in this life, no matter what your limitations are in this life, you're not limited in God. You're not behind anyone. You have the same inner man quality as anyone else. And I could argue the same inner man quality of Jesus himself. Not in his divinity, but in his humanity. You have the ability to love like Jesus. That's what it's talking about. You have the ability to think like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to care like Jesus. But it doesn't come automatic. You must renew the new man. And then once it is built up and renewed, then you are able to put on the new man and put off the old man. I'm going to close there. I love you. I'm proud of you. Let's keep growing in God. Let's show the world a church that can turn the world upside down. And let's turn the world upside down with the power and love of God. God bless you. We'll see you again.